everybody, and welcome to this week's Rugby Bits podcast. Today, I am joined by Cooks, and and a late a late entry would be Tyler because I think he's having well, not think he's having a little bit of technical issue, so he should join us later. But Cooks, how are you, my man? Um, I mean, I knew you were going to be on today. Finn Russell was was cooking. He pulled the boys back from a what looked like to be a horrendous defeat um, as captain, and ended up turning out to be a Sensational win. How are you? The thing is, Sean, um, this weekend we've got an <laughs> exhibition of, of, uh, of leadership. You know, um, one of the signs of leadership is how do you pick a, a, a group of men after, the, after, after going down? And um, when established that he's a fantastic leader, you know, he probably, made, he probably said a speech even better than the Braveheart, the Braveheart speech. You know, I mean, this is the greatest day in Scottish history since uh, Braveheart. Um, just pure examples of leadership. I mean, the box one, uh, Finn Russell cooked. Um, as Shoba said, the Scot- Scotland was cooking with an open fire on the weekend. So, um, Bottom Barrett didn't play. That'll be the the piece of that'll be the 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 cherry on top. But um, other than that, Sean, uh, I'd say a good rugby week. England lost, so yeah, I'll say that's the perfect rugby weekend. <laughs> Yeah, for for South Africans, when uh, England and Australia lose, it's generally a good week. So, uh, and the Springboks win. Um, but uh, yeah, glad glad you had a good one, my man. I um, I'm almost certain you didn't get up at four o'clock to watch the Bledisloe two, but we'll get onto that later. I'll I'll I just wanted I'm kind of doing some some resistance training with you. Like I'll send your blood pressure up, and then we'll bring it down, and we'll just kind of do interval training. I, I believe it's called. But anyway. Well, uh, enough shortly, of that. So, um, well, <laughs> well, I'll tell you something yes. funny. So, uh, Friday, um, so so Saturday was one of the few weekends where I didn't have any work. So I thought, let me take advantage of that on Friday by sort of just um, having a few cold ones. And um, got them quite late. And then, like around two, I think. And then, sort of, I had to wake up to go to the bathroom. I saw the time, it was 10 to 5. And I, and I was actually like, I could oh. actually put the rugby on. But out of protest, I was like, these socks can, can go shit in the lake. <laughs> I went straight back to bed. I was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> like, I refuse. I could have I could have watched the game and went to bed. I was like, no. you know what? I'm not going to do it. Cause, um, and and uh, I refuse to to let Sanzo win. That's just how I am. I'm not saying I'm not going to win this battle. How was your nice, weekend? Nice, nice. Yeah, it was good. I was up early for the game. Um. I watched it. Very interesting. I watched quite a bit of rugby this weekend. Um, bit of a late one. Obviously, everything finishing um, in load shedding uh, almost at midnight. So it was a it was a long day. But um, my daughter's. Uh, we got my daughter a, a little puppy. So I've been kept exceptionally busy with the with the little one. Like up at four o'clock, coppers four every morning. So I haven't really got got a chance to catch up yet. But. But it's all good. But yeah, it was some good rugby this weekend, and I'm looking forward to jumping in. But first, and one of our, our regulars, um, our first phase, for those that don't know, our, we pop a little first phase question up every week where we ask some random questions and everyone gets involved and we talk about it. And this week's first phase was um, about our, the best individual performance you have seen live on a rugby field. So, Essentially, what we were hoping for is somewhere that you have watched someone watch someone play. So, Rian Lowe, Ringo, um, please, for those of you that don't follow Ringo, go onto YouTube, 
um, and uh, watch his previews and post post wrap ups of rugby. It's sensational. A few minutes of your life, it'll be well worth it. I promise you. Ringo jumped in. His best live performance he's seen is um, Hachiva Diamani versus the World Witches in 2017. Um, he scored a hat trick at Alberton Rugby Club. <laughs> the other one, special mention for Kevin DeClack. Oh, special mention for Kevin DeClack and Rudolf Strali for getting hammered in the stands. That's brilliant. Um, Angus uh, uh, was on the pod a few a uh, couple of weeks ago. Angus said that uh, the best performance he's seen were the Box versus the Lions in 2009 and the Box versus the Kiwis in 2022. Those were team performances, but the best individual performance he's seen is Pat Lammy versus Western Province in the Curry Cup final. I mean, who can forget that uh, uh, that handoff on Scott Berger? That was just, there was no respect there. He just basically fended him off and said, thanks for coming, I'm going to go score. Remember that one, Cooks? I do remember. Um... Oh Jesus! Oh, I'm a Sharks fan. Was um, I remember? I was my trick. Um, yes, three uh, ten. Yeah. Oh man, I just thought Pat Lamb wasn't taking us to the promised land. He did on that Curry Cup occasion, and that fin to Scott Berger was um, was 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 something beautiful. Oh man, geez, what a that's such a fantastic game to watch live. Yeah, yeah, it's been incredible. And um, and you, your best best individual performance. That you've seen? So I had a couple. Um, I said, obviously, Lukanya Am against uh, the All Blacks last year. Um, uh, catching that live. Uh, it was a, actually a weird perspective because Jared's going to hate me because he's going to say I'm being a stadium connoisseur, but I got to see a touchline. So I was sitting touchlines. And so sort of his first try happened <laughs> literally like, I'll probably say like 50 centimeters away from me. That's how close he was. Probably no like a meter or two. Wow. So I was, well, I was did sitting. He, did, like, did you give him a half hour on the way past? I was about. To, I should have actually. So you, you see when the the link that SuperSport sort of puts on Twitter of him scoring that try. I was sitting next to the, the Oakley recorded it. So it like happened right in front of me. Oh, uh, brilliant! And and the funny thing. So I was supposed to record it as well, but then obviously I saw like Caleb Clark says. So I'm like, oh, I don't think he's gonna score. So by the time, <laughs> by the time he kept he kept like fading off. By the time I got my phone out, he was like, he was like, it was like he had gotten up and scored already. I was like. That's the that's the last time that um, I don't back with Kanye. Um, and then the man. I remember I remember the line break because it's sort of like it was quite far from the angle I was, and I just sort of seeing like catching like okay, cool, nothing's gonna happen, nothing's gonna happen, and the next thing you see him coming, running. So I like I, I had such it was, I had such a great view. It was like almost watching a school's game. Um, in, to, in like in terms of like, the view, like the vantage point being so close, because sort of like a school game is not. I never normally sit at a higher sort of seating from even when I used to coach. So that was from that sort of angle, that was amazing. Um, I did mention, obviously, um, Falau is obviously world's hardest man in rugby. Um, but 2013, I remember, I think I may have told the story before. My friend uh, Lauren loves, loves, the, loves the game, loves Mornay Stain. Um, but then when Falau just joined the Waratahs, she said to me like, oh, you must watch this Israel Falau guy. He's good. And I was like, oh, these Lee converts. Oh, he's, he's no Mad Rogers. I remember saying <laughs> that to him. And then I was at the King's Academy then, so we used to get tickets for the games and then managed to get a ticket for the Waratahs Kings game. And then I'd seen Falau in the, in, actually I'd seen Falau in the, in the, in the mall during the week, took a picture because you know, it was all of us. So we haters if on 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 Twitter, but then we, the biggest fans when you see them face to face. But um, <laughs> so 
him actually absolutely ripped the Kings to shreds. Something like 200 meters, scored a, scored a try, had about probably like four or five try assists. He went from oblivious, not knowing who I was. I didn't rate him to literally my favorite player in about 80 minutes. Then I became one of like the biggest Falao fans until 2019. And then that same night, uh, a friend of mine after the game actually went out. We went out while dueling in PE and we managed to actually end up partying with the Waratahs players because some of the players had recognized me from, from seeing them on Wednesday. And then they came and invited us for a drink, me and my mate. And um, yeah, ended up actually having a full-on party with them. Dave Dennis bought me many, many hunters dry at that stage and before I was drinking beer. And then, yeah, so <laughs> it was Dale and forget for a long time. That's awesome. What a great story. Uh, a couple more from, from Twitter, Jason Voigt. He says, um, anytime you watched uh, Joe Fonikak play live, now, that's one thing I do remember. Um, I didn't actually ever get to watch him play live, but I remember he was, he was incredible. Albert's on Twitter, Malcolm Marks essay versus the All Blacks Newlands 2017. Says he reckons he made about 10 steals. Um, Andrew on Twitter, Andrew Tracy, he was at Lansdowne Road for the Richie McCaw All Black debut. He doesn't think that he had played a Super Rugby game yet, but he was there for his All Black debut and got man of the match. Now, that must have been something special. Um, say Williams, Andre Joubert for South Africa versus Swansea in 1994. A little bit before my time of rugby watching, but uh, but yeah, I've just seen Tyler has joined us. So before I hand over to the main man, I'm gonna just share my um my time. So I've, I've I haven't watched a lot of Springbok games, um, and I've watched a few Super Rugby games. But when I was thinking about this, there was one performance that stood out, and I will never forget it and it was actually a club rugby game so i'm sure all of you know by now but i'm um used to play for for hamilton's in in cape town and monty dumond was playing with us for for a couple of seasons uh, monty the ex sharks fly half so he was he was playing at hammies and we were playing against durbel at newlands in the president's cup final so i wasn't uh, i wasn't playing i didn't play many games first team i played first team because we were about 35 injuries down so that was long long way back when in, in super b but super a president cup final hammies versus durbel and monty dumont put in it was the first time i ever noticed different ways of kicking the ball different styles and like executing them i mean we all know the the torpedo we all know the end over end we all know a grubber but he was putting through these ground torpedoes so he was basically kicking the ball along the ground but it was sort of twisting towards the touchline so it was sort of banana along the ground like he was putting in the whole game we just he just kicked them to death and it wasn't kick just kicking away to touch it was just positional kicks kicking for players kick passes it was incredible we we beat Durbel by a handful i think it was by like two or three points that day but uh, yeah, one of the most incredible performances I've I've seen from a player. But yeah, that was that was that. Tyler, my man, welcome. Thanks for saving me. How how you doing? How's your weekend? Yeah, I yeah I I really enjoyed looking at some of these stories. Actually, funnily enough, I think my one also corresponds with one of the responses. Um, because I also my the the test match I enjoyed the most. I was I guess Albert Rust and I were in the same. Um, stadium um, for the 2017 Springboks New Zealand game at 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 Newlands, 
and yeah, Malcolm Marx is obviously absolutely brilliant. That's the one thing I forgot to add in my um in my response. But sheesh, Damon McKenzie and Rico Yuani also were just absolutely superstars in that day. I thought if you could have asked me to bet on Rico Yuani making um, breaking the Doug Howlett record, I would have taken that bet now. Obviously, I was not aware of the Doug Howlett curse at that stage. And if you would ask me if Dave McKenzie would become a World Player of the Year, I'd also have, would have betted on that very early. And yeah, it was just their ability just to cut things open. And obviously, DMAC's ability, we know how good he is with his acceleration and his arcing runs from fullback. And Rico was just at his best. He was the one um, all-black number 11 that was able to score against the Springboks, um, unlike Lomu and Julian Severe for most of his career. And I mean, the All Blacks, I mean, compared to obviously what they did a few weeks before in the match we all forgot about, um, in this match, they were just so efficient with the chances that they got because, you know, if Malcolm Marks was not obviously going there and stealing everything, I think Gitzoff also had a great game in that game as well. Like, when they did get a chance and when they were able to get away, they were able to capitalize. And that was just really good. And then the other one I want to shout out was just Damien Willems's performances in that um, run that the Stormers made um, to the URC. Yes. I, yeah, I think that's when Damien Willems really became like, okay, he's one of the best 50-ish players in the world right now. Like, just so good in terms of his carrying, his kicking, his tackling, his decision-making, his running, his passing, everything. And I mean debate for another day but I think when he was playing at inside center with Lebok at 10 and Halant at 15 we saw the best of him and he should be playing more inside center more but that's a conversation for another day but yeah very excited that Halant is at least back so we can see more of that but yeah I mean Cooks I think we watched a game together that Ulster game that went to the wire and yeah you just saw the time that Willems had had on the ball compared to others so like that was just a treat to watch for those three weeks Cooks yeah, totally right. Such a great shout. I mean, the Stormers last year when Dobber made that shift, putting uh, Haaland and Willemse in the same in the same side. Oh man, it was amazing. Yeah, we went to watch that semi final, and that was that was probably one of the best rugby, like just like great experiences. I mean, I mean, totally. You remember someone like James Hume that day? He was he cooked, and then um, Rob Balakun was also absolute menace. Oh goodness. But um, yeah, like yes, like you said, the Stormers, Myla Bok is probably up there in terms of like individual performances of the last mm. sort of games. And like he's, he's probably one of those guys where it's like sort of sort of fun to watch. But I wanted to add quickly, I had to add this because when you brought up the Stormers last year, I had to add, I had to add this uh, Warrior Khalan moment. Probably maybe not be the greatest individual game, but one of the best like individual moments of I've seen has happened this year or not last year. Stormers played the Sharks in Durban, start of the year. Stormers were basically starting to make the turnaround and Highland was on the bench that week. And the whole time I was sitting in the press box and we were all like, oh, Highland needs to come on and sort of change this game. Stormers need a little bit of a spark. Highland needs to come on and sort of get this game. And the whole, that was like the sort of feeling. So Highland comes on, Stormers are about 20 meters out, scrum, probably about a 15 meter blind. Um, Khaland standing on one side, him and Damien Willemser. And then Khaland literally balls, ball goes scrum, 8-9-40, 8-9-15 Khaland. Khaland gooses the first defender, sort of draws the second one in, great offload, Damien scores in the corner. His very first touch, it was like, 
that's like it was, it was so fitting because you were waiting for him to come on the field. He comes on the field and he creates I remember that. that one, eh? Yes, I mean, and then from there, I think the, I remember being in the press conference. Well, the, I think the, the only press conference I've ever been to, um, and people were like Jobo, just start the two guys together, <laughs> like just put them on the field, all of them, like just do it. It's about damn time. Then from there, the storm is pretty much went on like a ninety-five game and beaten run. But what what Warrior Khalan did that day was oh, it was amazing. I tell you, it, there was a lot of resistance uh, about having all three players on the on the field at the same time from Dobbo, it felt. Um, but she should came good. I'll tell you another one. Uh, I, I was just thinking about it now. I can't believe I didn't uh, think of it earlier. But um, So Chris Clutty, who was at Munster's night bath, he actually was at Hammy's as well. And he was, he was at Hammy's for a season. And it wasn't a specific game. It was literally every game in that season that I watched him play. And I, I watched all the first team games. He was just dominating everyone. Speed, tackle, steal. Like he, he, when, when a player looks out of place in the, in like in a, in a game or a league, like he, you could see that he was like, he needed to be a professional rugby player. He needed high honors and he still only got a, like a random call up to Western province. Not even, he didn't even get a look in at the stormers. He got a look in at Western province and they didn't contract him. And then he went to the Kings and uh, for after that season at the Kings with their super, uh, first Super Rugby little block, and then uh, and then he went to Munster soon after. Um, but yeah, I remember uh, he was the way he plays on the field that you watch now is how he was playing club rugby in Cape Town. It was ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah, I think you know what this makes me realize is the best players all like even or not even the best players, but like the average or sort of underrated players are all so much better than what we think and, and how we can imagine. Like, I mean, never mind just opening the box of like great schoolboy performances I've seen. Like I was able to see the Eberson twins live when they absolutely massacred wow. my school 86-3. And I can't emphasize to you how brilliant they were. Like obviously they're twins, which obviously all the connections were great, but just their like the time on the ball their pace, their strength, like they just looked like they were like three years older than everyone. And like Robert, honestly. didn't Robert play this season as well? He still Robert played for the what? Cheetahs. Didn't the Robert oh, still this play season? Yes. for the Cheetahs? I mean, he's been around. I mean, CS retired decades ago. Robert Eberson was in France for Youngs, but now I'm sure yeah. I'm sure he played the season, Curry Cup. I'm sure about it. Yeah, and he, I think he did a little bit. I think he got injured or something, but he was definitely um, brought back. Another one that I really enjoyed watching back in the day, um, who I, I genuinely thought he'd be the, like this next Stephen Larkham. Just now I just blanked on his name. Uh, Tim Sweel, yes. I uh. watched Tim Sweel when he's still playing for Bishops. And again, someone I would be, I would have put money on being like really amazing. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, if I haven't got my timelines mixed up, I think Dylan Lates was also in that game. And yeah, obviously we know how good he is. But yeah, like, the your most average players look like um absolute heroes i think to the rest of us i think that's the big lesson from this question but yeah i think that was a really good one thank you so much to our dirt trackers for all the awesome feedback and the answers and the stories too and yeah we'll obviously look forward to it so we've obviously we released our our reasons why and why not teams will win 
um, the Rugby World Cup during the week. Hopefully you listen to that. I'm sure it's going to be <laughs> entertaining. And I'm sure those takes are really cold. Yeah, we probably slandered Wales, but as Gatlin has told us, Wales have a big surprise for us. And um, yeah, we're going to hopefully be doing a bit of content around um, the Rugby World Cup squad that it's announced, that's going to be announced. So we're recording this before the Rugby World Cup squad is announced for the Springboks, and we'll hopefully have an episode dedicated to that. So any discussions on the squad will obviously not will be outdated. So we're going to try to avoid that. We're going to just mostly look at the two games and all the, sorry, not two, but all the games that happened this weekend. And we're going to start with the Springboks playing um, Argentina um, in Buenos Aires. Um, Cooks, let's start with you. I mean, first half was pretty bland. It pretty much followed on from the second half at, at Ellis Park, but they really picked things up in the second half. So what did you or what what did you think was the reason why that happened? Was it substitutions? Was there a change in emphasis? Were we more direct? What happened in that second half? Yeah, flip. It's like it kind of felt like that we because the first game I felt like we were just always stop, start, stop, start, and just made issues like we, they'll be good and then one small mistakes would like bug up and a good passage of play. And that's that's that was sort of the tempo that that the the layover from the first game, but then I also just thought um, it's just hard to play Argentina in Argentina. The Bok and Argentina games don't tend to actually be free flowing. It's always stop start and like niggly, and they always manage. They when they play the box, it, it, that tends to be the flow against Argentina. It's like I can't remember like a flowing game when you play against them. But um, I thought in the second half execution got so much better. I thought a little bit more direct. And that in, and and that in turn allowed us to sort of be able to create space. I thought the two tries you scored was absolutely fantastic. I, and again, I think that is the value of our new attack and the way we're playing now. We still got the, we have this extra ability now to sort of hurt teams, and and we showed options that probably weren't there four years ago when we started when we started this attack. Um, the sort of this change if we look at twenty nineteen or probably say twenty twenty one when we sort of started working towards this attack, like. You look at the the ball that under SA hasn't played into a cross to Marnie, into a cross kick, again for interlinking for Damian Williams to sort of weave through the defense, my pimp to finish in the corner. It's it's it, I think the way we're playing now and the the attack is we're, we're still good enough now when we can still find fourteen points. And I think that was a big difference. I think if we played that game two years ago, maybe we wouldn't we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to find opportunities to. to to find tries to score tries. And I think now the way we're playing this new dynamic game plan allows us to find points in games and maybe we're not even playing as well, but we can still do enough to create moments for us to win games. And I thought we did that well. I thought that second half was very good. And for me, Sharky, I think it's I think it's a massive win because I just want the box to sort of string together momentum. I think we speak about it in the bits and pieces part as to why this team won the cup and why, not, why this team will make out the group and why not what um, I think, and, and it's, a, it's an issue of now, as we brought up quite a bit, where the box sort of stringing together good performances and, and picking up wins. I think now it's, an, it's another good momentum win, adding more, win, adding more momentum two in a row now, and we could potentially face Argentina in the semi final. I think so. It's nice to build from that. And ideally, I want the Springboks to beat Wales and then also beat um, the All Blacks, sort of go into the World Cup with one, with one four in the bounce. I think that will be great momentum going into the World Cup. What did you think, Shaki? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I, I would love, I'd love to go 
going to Scotland for on the trot. Um, but you know, going going back to to the game on Saturday, I've we we really so the thing is is we don't seem to connect good performances if it's if it's in a game we don't connect it or if it's from game to game we don't connect it it's quite an odd thing but the one thing that really interests me is i felt that in the beginning we were like like a metronome we were just playing our game plan and we seemed to be on top but we often find ourselves being on top um, in games, but not getting the reward, not getting the points, the tries and all that sort of stuff. And it's weird. It's weird that we, we play so well, we dominate, but then we, we kind of lose focus or lose trust uh, in ourselves, or we kind of just throw our hands in the air and go, oh, damn it, this is not working or something. That's probably not fair that I'm saying that because that does create a bit of a negative connotation to, to the game plan. But yeah, I was, I was worried about, I was happy. We're just not converting. And, and that's the thing that I want to change. And I don't believe it's a problem. Um, I think it will come. Doing what we're doing and converting is, is kind of the next step. So we just hope that step comes soon. And once we start connecting um, games, games together, not only, not only halves, when we start connecting games together, like game two, three games in a row, I'm really looking forward to that. But yeah, we the, that halftime chat from from Jacques and from Top Dog must have been something special because we, we always, it, Argentina's always scrappy and shitty. It's always like that. I never feel like we dominate. Maybe once we've, we've really dominated and we've kind of put them away, but it's always hard. Um, and um, yeah, so we put it together nicely in the second half. We connected really well. I thought it shows how how we play once one or two things go right. One one or two things happen and everyone's like, oh, boom, it's working. And then that that confidence and that play creates other teams to doubt themselves. And then we climb on top and we win. So yeah, I was happy. There was moments that I wasn't happy. Um, um there were uh, yeah south african fans very much like to they've got to pick they've got to hate someone for a week kind of situation you know and they kind of forget who they were backing the week before um but it's it's very weird but i don't think anyone really played badly i saw a couple of guys saying marvin Ori played himself off the plane I, I didn't see that at all um i don't think anyone played badly one thing I was very interested about Cooks and I'd like to get your, your opinion on it. But I said, um, I, I can't even remember if I put it on the WhatsApp group or where I mentioned it, but uh, Herschel Yanchi's had one chance to kind of say, listen, I'm, I'm kind of back in the mix. And <laughs> I thought he did it. He's essentially created one other headache for us. Listen, Shocky, Herschel Yanchi's, um, <laughs> it's like they're dangling the ticket in front of his face before he went on the field. <laughs> they're like, my man. Uh, him, and, him and Pollard have got four-year cycles yeah. and it's World Cup Jesus. cycles that they work no, in. It's brilliant. He, I love no, it. He was, he was good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. And I think, he, I, I thought that um, obviously the, the, the chat leading into the, the, the scrum of chat actually <laughs> it's been the, one of the low-key craziest subplots because like one, because the, the, there's all these camps, right? There's the, there's the people have forgotten about Jenny Henry's the chat so like, some people don't even have him going on the bus, just hasn't played enough games. 
he's, Dude, he's been like off, I'm off the so, radar. I'm sorry, but I've seen that. What the hell? And then <laughs> the guy's naming squads, and Jaden's not even in the mix. I'm like, hello. And then, <laughs> What's uh, going and on? Then like, so, and then, then it's um, and then all of a sudden, then what do you call it? Then, then Kubis and then Kubis and Grant Williams need to go, and maybe the one of them has to start and fuff on the bench. And then uh, Herschel Yankees is like has been like, completely forgotten about. And then he comes back and they're like, maybe we need to throw Herschel's name in the mix. I'm like, guys, whoa. <laughs> no, but I, I'm really glad that, um, that oh. he had a good game. I'm, I've always been a big um, Herschel Yankees fan. And, and I think we mentioned in one of the, in one of the pods that Herschel Yankees is probably, because, because like, you know, we look at Corbis and Jaden, they, I mean, Grant Williams and Corbis right now almost play a sort of similar game. And Faf and and Jaden are probably the, the, the better box kickers, better better game managers and controlling the game. Where where Oshiyanke is sort of the hybrid between those two. Like he sort of he, he sort of can manage a game and also has a good running game. And listen, Oshiyanke is like it almost felt like you know you're going to the last round of trials and your coach like you got ten minutes to sort of do something. Yeah, and um, yeah, I thought I thought he was great and it probably showed why the Springbok coaches have always had that faith in him. He's probably been. There's not many squads he has missed out on. It's probably so, but definitely showed why they had faith in him. And it probably he's had a good season. Shocking, we mentioned it for the Stormers as well. So it was nice to see him playing well. But flip, even like Jean-Luc Dupree came off the bench and he was like, "Don't forget about me." Yes, <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. It's crazy. I tell you, um, Herschel, very and and no means being disrespectful, but he was one of the first players I've seen. In, in this era of RIB that has played himself that played himself out of the team with form when uh, like in in 20 after 2021 he he kind of he he was he was struggling and he was struggling a little bit in 2021 and then and then we got a couple of other guys got a look in and we thought shit he's gone and then this season for the Stormers even last season in the Stormers URC win I don't think he had his best season he was there and thereabouts but he was struggling. And then this season he played bloody well. I I thought I thought he he was like a hundred times better than what he has been in the last two years. And then gets a book look in, doesn't get any chances, and on the last twenty minutes <laughs> of of the of the chance to prove yourself for the World Cup, he goes and does it. So so yeah, I agree. I think you know that's what the Springbok coaches believe in. And the one the one space that I'm very very comfortable and I'm willing to die on that hill is. Uh, I believe that the current Springbok coaches and the management have the absolute best interest of the players first and foremost, and uh, and that's makes for amazing things. Um, so yeah, so good times. But on on the topic of players, um, I thought um, Manny Lubok. I was super impressed with his with his the end of his game and the way that he conducted himself. Because for me, I'm I'm like I want him to play as much Test rugby as possible. It's pretty evident that he's he's going to be the second choice fly half. Um, if he plays all the games now, he will have nine Test matches under his belt. I think the magic number is ten or twelve. I can't remember. Jared will correct me on that. Um, but um, yeah, you know, he we we need him to have these games where he's got to learn. But the crowd, I just wish the the public would just lay off him a little bit. Like he was he was. The Springboks golden child at 10 and then he plays like one average game I wouldn't even say it was poor and then everyone's like no get rid of him I, I hate I hate that about Springbok fans 
but I thought the way he conducted himself and how he sorted everything out at the end and pulled it together was brilliant. That tap on pass that he did was, I don't know, there's no other word, but sexy. Like <laughs> that was so casual and he just flicked it on. I was like sublime. Like it was amazing. Um, yeah. And you know, cooks, um, the, our starting props also did a number on Argentina, which is always nice in Argentina. I feel like Argentina, like, I remember those years when they were like, used to have an incredible scrum, but then played like terrible rugby to watch. They had a word for it. And then like, now they've got what like. What is they, their scrum had a, had a name. Yeah, it was proper. Now they're like, they're sort of going like, the more expensive they play, the worse and worse their scrums get. But, um, but I thought, yeah, I thought I was starting, I thought I was starting Packers, especially your front drawers. They had, they had a very good game out. And listen, like, I think a lot of people, we're going into this game probably expecting us to lose. Well, not expecting, but like wouldn't have been surprised if we'd gone down this weekend. Um, but um, yeah, I thought we scrummed well. And yeah, and, and talking about Marnie, like I'm not going to sit here like and say that and not be worried about his kicking and what happened there. But I, I just feel like he has come such a long way. And the way the way that he bounced back, the way that he bounced back in in the second half and nail two clash penalties. I understand, you know, a friend of the show, friend of the show, AP and I were talking about it, that an AP did say he's kicking at about at 76%, which is below sort of international standard. But I mean, like our starting 10, he's no Johnny Wilkinson either. He does also have days where that could happen. And that's a worry about everyone. So like it's, I know he's kicking isn't, isn't probably yeah, up for scratch, but I, and so I was thinking about it on the weekend. I was like thinking like, like it's it does concern me, but I, I, I have the same concerns about Henry Pollard, and and he's, he's clearly our starting ten. But there are days where he struggles with the boot, and it's shown that. I mean, Henry Pollard the, the last the season's the first first time he's kicked over eighty percent since twenty since twenty eighteen, and that's that's a, that's a big stretch if you're considering what he's like. If you're looking at year by year, and. And I think that sort of, we still have that confidence in Henry Pollard to step up in the big times. And I think Marnie has shown that with the Stormers where he does come back and he's kicked them to wins in all sorts of conditions. So, yeah, it is a concern, I think, but it's just unlike him to miss such regular kicks and it was a bad day in the office. And many players go through bad days in the office. Like, you know, someone like Owen Farrell at the moment is probably kicking the worst he's ever kicked in his career. But And he's still kicking at... High seventies, yeah, and you sort of and, and and he's being, yeah, and you sort of still like I'm still I'm still on the lean towards that and how well it kicks and I think Marnie is just needs time in the saddle and I think the more the, and for me the fact that even the Springbok management still still trusted him and still went with him and he showed that he and the kicks he got in the second half were crucial kicks and yes maybe because maybe he put us he put us in this position but at least he managed to save it you know um, if I don't know if it was maybe like Andre Pollard we'd be calling him a you know like a that never gives up and this is why he's number one. So like I feel like with, with Marnie, that's least, yes, yes, we can criticize, but we can also, we can also praise when he, when he pulls himself up and finishes the job done. Cause you know, like that's, and that's what he did. And he's, I'm glad that he did bounce back. And um, like I said, he's still, he's, he's a second number 10 and hopefully that yeah, it doesn't happen again, but I have, I have confidence. I'm still going to back him with his boot and still going to back him. That, 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 that won't happen come World Cup time. The important thing that you mentioned is, and that everyone needs to know, because I'm 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 on the same wave as you here. But the important thing that you mentioned is is the kicks that he did miss were uncharacteristic, like, 
and we know this and we've got the last two seasons to to show it so i think everyone's a little bit knee-jerk uh, everyone wants to win and they're happy to throw anyone under the bus along the way as long as we're winning so so yeah so the the important thing for me i think for everyone um for i'm, I'm talking about for the public is that Manny went on to fix those errors in that game. He could have come back in the next game against Wales and kicked 100% and everyone would have been okay, but now we don't have to wait two weeks for it, you know? Like, he did it in that game. So you, you can turn around and you, you've got a counter-argument for everything with him that happened on Saturday. You can be like, well, he, he didn't kick well. Okay, yeah, but he finished well. He kicked ex- excellent in the end and he kicked the points that we needed. So, so yeah, that was, that was very interesting. Um. And then, obviously, the other conversation is um, the loose trio. Um, I think the loose trio and and the centres were were are the big talking points and have been the big talking points for a while. But your your thoughts on on the Lucies and how they manage this more stats getting all the heat in the world and like I'm also I'm of the opinion that everyone just needs to calm down a little bit. Like he's not in the best form, but these people. There's some people turning around going, he's never been a flank. He shouldn't be a flank, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whoa, whoa calm your farm. But Lucia, Cooks, how, what are your thoughts on them and, and, and how it went? Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought like Jasper's yeah, in, industrious as always. Um, most of is, is it still plows through a lot of work and it's probably not, again, he's one of those guys who play such a high level and, and, and such a high standard where he's like, he set the bar so high for himself that when he's actually not hitting it, it's, it looks like even worse than it possibly is. Um, I'm not worried about most that, um, I mean, you know, the streets say it's the Japanese league, but um, it's only, it's only affected in Franco most yes, it's a, No one else has been affected by the Japanese league. It's got heat. Yes. The Japanese league took heat. That was another one that I had to chuckle <laughs> about also. And I was just like, Oh, I was, I was replying to a tweet and I just deleted it and I put my phone down. I'm like, I'm not even going to bother. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't want to get into this again. No, 100%. Uh, and I thought, you know, Duane Free was also very industrious. I thought he had a good game. I thought he, I thought he, I thought he led nicely as well when he, when, he, when he took over the captaincy in the second half. I think that's also a big stamp of approval from the squad and from, from, and from management about how they feel about him. The fact that in that situation that they gave him the armband, I thought he, I thought he led nicely. He got, he, he got, he got a couch and I was as busy as always. And, um, is it an industrious performance? Because you know what, Sharky, performance is like Saturday. It's like it's it, when you play a side like Argentina, it's never gonna be pretty. It's 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 it's, it's, it's like it's it's, it's 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 always like the game is so scrappy. So it's like it, it, it's you you sort of see a lot a lot of workman like performances where it's like it's 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 hard, it's, it's not the type of game where you'll see like a big flash moments here and and, and maybe like a last ditch Franco Morse tackle or. You, it'll just be kind of feel like a game where like the loose trio sort of just got to, it's it, you almost like it's a lot of work in the work in the trenches and which, which sort of fits someone like a Franco Mostat and and things that are it's hard to see from first viewing and things that like um the work that goes largely under the radar and goes unnoticed and and for me it's like he's still getting through those little bits and pieces of work and some people think he's done I think he's far from done I just think that. Franco Mostert set the bar so high. I mean, I, I also do think he's probably at his best at lock. And I think the seven experiment can come and go. I mean, there are games where we do need an extra line option, and, 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 it's, and it's proven that it has worked. And um, I, I definitely do back him to sort of find his best form. I mean, it's probably it's only his second test so far. I mean, 
So, I mean, like, I, I, I will never not back Franco Mostert. I think the, his work, his his work speaks for itself. His work speaks for himself. So, and um, but like, it's yeah, you're right. We so I think because the World Cup coming around the corner, showed me. So if you do throw players away and like, and um, like you know, like Kenan Moody went from, yeah, we'll be fine if maybe most of this year he can learn to. He has to be in the plane, like he has to be driving the seats. <laughs> like, and now like someone like Mostert goes from there to the plane and. Like Jean-Luc Dupree, and no against, no, no form against him, has played 40 minutes in the last four years for the Springboks. Now that 40 minutes is going to elevate him straight into a World Cup for when an Oak was one of the stalwarts in the team. I'm like, guys, Stop, starting starting birth and captaincy. Yeah, like, like, what are we doing here? Like, do you know what I mean? So, like, I think we are very trigger happy at the moment. But yeah, I think I probably will give it the, the, the Lucio a six or a seven. I think they uh, probably a seven. Um, like a, where they just yeah they got through a bunch of work and. Games like Argentina sometimes like you just get those games where it's just it's not as free flowing and it's actually like it's just um it's just what you call it like it's just all about like just getting the job done and 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 and, 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 and a lot of the work is in the trenches. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're gonna jump around a little bit. I'm, I apologize to everyone. We're not doing this uh, in order, but that's that's my fault. So you can blame me for it. But you mentioned Moody. Um, He's, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. We, we talk about performances to, to earn your spots on the plane. Um, he put in a, a, a very good performance. Very good. So the one thing that surprised me about Moody, and I mentioned it like during URC season, was how hard he tackles. So the two people that surprised me on, on, their, on their actual uh, their hits are Ches and Colby and uh, Cannon Moody. And Moody, like, you often see like tall rangey guys generally not not generally but a lot of times aren't the biggest hitters you expect them to be hitters and and they're not but but moody is he's he's a hitter um he made some incredible reads some reads that all of a sudden everyone was like he's the springbok 13 because apparently jesse creel's not been playing well but well, that's a story for another day um but yeah like moody brilliant so let's like let's be honest here moody i i believe because there's guys now putting Moody in ahead of Mapimpi and that don't play the same position. I'm a firm believer in 11 and 14. They are two different wings. Um, very few people can transition across all of them um, or both of them, should I say. But Moody covers right wing and 15. And yes, he played 13 at school, but I don't see him playing 13 for the Springboks until after the World Cup. It's not going to happen. In in-game emergency, I don't even think it'll happen. So... I think it's, well, my opinion is it, we need to understand that, that he's going to be going as a, a 14 or, and, or, and a 15 cover. Um, do you think he's, he's done enough? I'm bearing in mind that if, if he goes, that essentially means Colby is not going. And I don't see that happening either, Cooks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, sure. Like you are, it's weird. It's, it's hard. It's, like, it's, it's a weird place to be, but it's a good place to be, I think. Here's my, oh, yeah. I, 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 I had this conversation with uh, a mate of mine over the weekend on Friday night who, who just didn't want me to enjoy my beers and just really wanted to talk to, really wanted to chat rugby at 11 o'clock <laughs> in the evening. Um, I said to him, like, it's okay for some people to be left behind. Not everyone can go to a World Cup. It's international sport. Like, the hardest thing about selection, I think, and Flip Van Amaro had a great post about, like, how hard it is in World Cup selection. And, and um, how 
it's like it does it's it's tough for players, but also in that notion he does mention, guys, it is you're taking 33 of the best players to the World Cup and not everyone can get in there. And some people will have legit legitimate claims to have been in squads and just some just didn't make it. And it's and it's hard. Sean Stevenson should be on a plane right now to France. He's done everything possible to get there and just Unfortunately, he's not going to start over Will Jordan. Uh, and Nawara just came and coaches sort of go certain way. Yes, it was up for debate, but some guys, guys on form, will, so some of them might not make it to a World Cup. Ask Gary Tashman. Probably, probably never spoken to Nick Mellor to, to this day. And, and that's okay. And I think that's... And, and, and yes, we can have an opinion on it. And I'm all for debates and things like that. But I look at someone like Kenan Moody and if he does miss out, it, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because... You know, he's done everything to put himself in a position and that's all you can ask for. You know, that's all you can do is put yourself in a great position to be picked and to be mentioned and to be in the debates. Do I think he's probably changed? Do I think he's, he's probably made that, he made that meeting, the coach's meeting a lot tougher and he's probably has been and now it's become a lot tougher. Yes, yeah. Andre Essayson has made that conversation a lot tougher. I think we, when we are going to the start of the Springbok season, a lot of us are feeling, yes, we've got Willem said, we can play 12, Demi Lina can play 12, but maybe we're going to go with four wings. But then but anyway, and we're thinking, oh, Estesen's downfall is the fact that he can only play one position. But then he has another great game. And you're like, oh, now how can he miss out? And now, you know, like now, you know, now those guys are all sure things. Now because, because I was saying, if, like, people want Muli to start now. So I'm like, what happened to Kuli Aronson? Like, he's not going to start now. Like, what is he? Yes, he, like, what's, like, is he, is he not yeah. going to start now? Like, and, and Kobe, is Kobe not going to start? Like, it's, 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 uh, it's a great place to be. It shows the amount of depth we have and what we can go forward to. And, and unfortunately, also, there are things as, such as injuries. At least if something had to happen, we do have great cover coming off the bench. And it's cover was just missed out. It's not like, ooh, if so-so gets injured, oh, we screwed. If, if, if we lose a winger or like, yeah. it's, we actually have guys gunning and ready. And, 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 and sometimes that happens where, that's where I, I think I am now getting close to the World Cup, to the squad selection where I'm like, uh, I'm I'm happy with either option we have. Um, Kenny Moody is a fantastic option. I'd love for him to go to World Cup. I have him going ahead of Estazen. That's that, that that's that's who I would have. But um, and that's not that's not a slight on Estazen. I think it's fantastic. It's just unfortunately you can only take 33. And then someone tweeted today like we actually take 36. I'm like we're still gonna have a fucking debate about it. Even if we're taking like 90. Like, it'll be like, maybe why don't you have yeah. 15 flowers? I'm like, guys, we still don't have the same old debate. It's not the number of players. We're still, South Africa, we play with the many players. And, and guys, like we, we, we have fantastic, fantastic players like Kenan Moody or an Andre Estazen or Mapimpi or who could, who could not make it to the World Cup. That's a great thing. That shows how much depth we have. And that's why I think now I'm sort of, I'm sort of calmed down. I'm just like, unfortunately, that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. And I actually also read Flip Vanamova's tweet today. It was amazing. It's just about the emotion of it. And we're looking at people as, as players, but they're humans as well. And you know, the other thing, like in, in, in truth, in truth, when a player goes over another player, it swings and roundabouts. Like th there's very little separating them. One offers something slightly more in one aspect, but slightly less in another. Like if it was between Moody and, and Colby, um, would we lose much and would we gain much? No, is the answer for both of them, you know, whoever goes. So 
I think like, you know, we'd lose something, a little bit of experience or with Colby, we'd gain the experience and, and stuff. It's really, really fine margins. But we're, we're in a very interesting space. And the best part about it is what a lot of people don't realize, like, is how much communication goes on behind the scenes. Like, Jacques Ninaba is with these players 24, or it's a bit of an over-exaggeration, but about 24 hours a day for months and months and months. And they have been so for the last couple of weeks, like four, five, six weeks anyway. So the communication is there. People know where they stand. This is not, it's not tomorrow. The guys know who's going to the World Cup already. I believe that. Like they, they, they pretty much know who's going. And, you know, it's not a surprise for anyone. No one's been dicked around. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. But, you know, you talk, about, you talk about the midfield. I tell you, Cooks, it's a great, I, I definitely want to jump onto the, uh, to, to Bongi just now as well, but I think we'll save the captain for last. Um, the midfield is interesting. Um, we're, in a, we're in a space where um, Jesse Creel's the Form 13. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it loud and proud because he deserves it and he deserves a lot more respect. Um, we are in a space where Lukanya um, is doubtful for the World Cup. Uh, we had no news has come yet, but it, it doesn't look great. It's the same knee problem. He, you know, he's been working, getting it back. So now there's another injury suffered. Hopefully they took him off more as a precaution than anything, but we'll wait and see. And then at 12, we have Damien Delendi. We have the options of Pollard in an emergency. Damien Willemse will be in the squad and going. And then Andre Estazen. And you mentioned that, that Estazen, you, you don't think that he'll, that we'll, he'll go, that we'll go with the three. I assume you think we're going to go with the three centers of, of Delendi, Am, and Creel. Um, but yeah, Estazen has put his hand up. And it's, you know, it's, it's tough. It's really, really tough. But how do you see things going? Is, is Jesse Creel like the out-and-out starting 13 now in a big game? Is that where you'd go? Or do you think I'm still going to get another little look in or they're going to just preserve him and, until, until as long as possible? I still think um, he's the, the starting 13. Um, and um, yeah, Flip, I think with um, the knee has been, is, it has been bothering him. I think Creel has been fantastic as always. Um, you, look, you look at, the, you look at the, the piece of attack that, I mean, that, that, that pass he made to put Valencia into space, that's something he's... He, but he doesn't pass. Yeah, though. I know, exactly. But he's added, he's added, such a, he's added a lot more elements to his game in Japan when the Haras come out of him playing and things like that. <laughs> yeah, like in Japan, exactly. <laughs> You're causing riots with, with two things now, yes. with Japan and Creel. Yes. Riots, my friend. And, um, yeah, and um, <laughs> he can't... I'm, I'm giving, I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving um, Japan some love today. Um, because uh, actually, well, the funny thing, fun quick story. I'd, I'd, before this, I'd, I had lunch with Willie Brits and uh, good old Shane Gates, and Shane Gates and I played rugby with the Kings together. So oh, we, were talk, we were talking about yes. we are talking about the, Japan, the the Japanese league, and Willie would love me telling the story. So Willie Brits says to me, like, everyone thinks that that the bigger you are in South Africa, the easier the league is. Like all those do, all those guys do is just chop, 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 chop. He's like, and he made a story. He's like, Jean Daisel <laughs> went to Japan. And he struggled a lot more because, like, they just chopped him. They're like, we're not going to try and tackle you. We're just going to tackle your ankles. And it's like, it's the most frustrating thing ever as a ball carrier. So, like, he's like, he'll, he'll, he doesn't understand this notion of, like, Japan and the, the players doing that. And, and Shane was telling me, like, he had played against him a couple of times. He's, that he's added so much to his game now. Things that he could have, it's been sort of unlocked more because of the players around the style they play. And, and you've seen elements of that. I mean, defensively, Chase has been fantastic. Def- again, fantastic again in the second half. And just hasn't let doesn't let the spring box down in every plays. I mean, 
shows the experience that he has. And yeah, I think it's a great place to be in having, if Amazon playing, is Amazon where he should, like where he has to be because of the knee, you have someone like Jesse stepping up. But now I think maybe Essays and Ken, you might have to take him because of, because of Am's knee. I think my issue with Am's knee is, it's the same issue I'd have even if Jesse Creel was injured, is then we're 13 short. And that's a position yeah. that, because Jesse and Am have pretty much played 13 for the last, like, since 2018 pretty much. Five yeah, years. Yeah, like there's no, there's, there's no one yes. else to play. I, I can't remember unless I'm missing someone. And, uh, or Delendi against, Dam- uh, against Delendi, Canada. I, think. I was, you know, was going to... He actually played against Italy last year. He played uh, once or twice or three times for Munster. He played 13. Um, but yeah, for South Africa, he played against Italy last year and then Canada in 2019. How, uh, starting. He has um, he has drafted into that position. So when Lukanya Am was cooking against the All Blacks on the wing, yeah, Damien mm-hmm. Delendi was at 13 that game. So um, he he's... It's it's Lucanya Arm, Jesse Creel, Damien Delendi. That's the pecking order for 13 at the moment. But you know, if if things are bad, we've got Jesse Creel and Damien Delendi at 13. We will have an absolute sledgehammer of a midfield. Um, imagine having uh, Pollard, Estazen, and Delendi as your 10, 12, 13. Yeah, you ain't running any short ball there. I need that game against. I need them to play against Tonga. <laughs> that'll be an absolute tackle. I think it will be like challenging. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think I think I think you might actually like both teams might lose like all three like no fluff, no center, and, and both centers out for just just from hitting each other too hard. But yeah, <laughs> I think you're probably dealing with shift there, but it's still a problem, you know. I think it's a massive load in dealing then. Like for example, like he'll his race time gets compromised and things like that, and it's just hard for me like to sort of think of like I know Moody has played, but I just think. It's hard for me to go from playing 13 against Paul Ruiz and then playing 13 against Gary Ringrose. Like, do you know, like, like, like it's a, it's a big, or like, like, there's a big cries when you play like 13. Oh, perspective, like 13 I love 13 against Wales. You're like, okay, cool. It's just like, Warren Gatton will be like, okay, cool. Like, let's, like, do you know what I mean? Like, let's, let's, let's sort of eat him up. And then like, yeah, yeah. Oh, he plays against your blacks. He's either playing against Ricky Warner or Angelina Brown at 13. So it's like, there's no easy... There's no like easy introduction games with throwing in at 13. And by the time if, let's say he makes the squad and we're going to try him at 13, what if it doesn't work? Then what happens then? Then you're like, oh crap, we're still screwed. So I think obviously Delindy might shift there, but it's, it is a problem. I think like the box of depth, great depth it, everywhere. And then except probably 13, possibly we're prop with, because you have Ox, Trevor, Ox, um, Ox, and Kitsi, and then I mean Trevor. Obviously, Trevor can pretty much come wherever he wants. But but it, it's it's it still does worry if either an ox or a Kitsi goes down. But but thirteen is the one position where or thirteen and ten are probably the positions where we can't afford to have any injuries. And I really hope um is going to be fine and sort of get himself into into that form. I think and I think that's a frustrating part. But he showed glimpses again. I thought it was good with the ball in hand. He's shown like flip he's man. Put some pieces in his he's game. He's got unbelievable touches. Yeah, but like remember, I think Sean, you you mentioned that the box have not been able to put together the perfect game. I think Arms is at, is, at, is at that stage as well. Like he's he's shown glimpses here and there. He's defended well in some games, but in attack as well as attacked well in some games. I think he's also trying to sort of piece those things together. And I'm never going to go against like, someone like Lukanya. I'm still world class, but it's just great to have Jesse Krill right there next to him. Yeah, I tell you, you know. And a lot of guys were talking about Moody playing Springbok 13. 
I don't have an issue with it. It's just not going to happen in 2023, um, not unless we're in heaps of shit. But the best part about Moody and the way that he's defending at the moment uh, on the wing is it's almost a copy-paste for defending at 13. There's obviously more, more involved in it. But his reads and his, uh, his decision-making and his execution of what he's doing out there translates very well into 13. So if he can stitch the rest together, um, I think it'll be brilliant. Um, the only issue with moving him to 13 is we miss his pace and his power and his aerial ability on the wing. Like that's what a lot of people also don't understand. They're like, this guy's great. Let's move him. And you're like, well, shit, what are we losing? You know, like, like on honestly and, and truthful, not a dig, but like the all blacks lost a, a, an incredible winger when they moved Rico Ioani to 13, you know, they, they're fortunate that they had extra wingers, but they'd lost a guy that was probably up until 2021, 20, 22, probably could still have been the starting uh, left wing um, for the All Blacks. So that's what you do when you move someone is, is you, you open up a gap in another place. But uh, I think we've got the numbers there anyway. Um, talking about the front rows, Bongi Minami, first game as captain, uh, Springbok captain number 65. I thought he, I thought he had a great game. I thought he had a great game as captain. I, um, I really was was happy with it, and everything sort of worked together quite nicely. I think from a captaincy and a leadership point of view, it's a it's it's a great build for the Springboks, and obviously an amazing feather in his cap. No, yeah, incredible, incredible um, feather in his cap. Top dog, great, great performance again. Back to back to his bongi best, I think, which is in good stead for the Springboks. I think he was one of the guys that we were sort of hoping that he would sort of come back into form if, and, and, he, and he showed that. I think the leadership, and he just shows his importance in the in the squad. And I think, yeah, it made me very happy. It's always nice to see Bongi playing well again. It's just, then he sort of, we get, we get back in, in, in the comfortability of whether, whether he's coming off the bench or starting. He's feeling in a good space. And I think, yeah, it was a great game for him and obviously an incredible moment for him to see him leading other Springboks. And, I had to just think of when he first started when I remember he got yanked off quite early and people thought, man, like, is this guy ever going to be like, is this, he's probably just like a polyfiller or what is, he, what is he? And then he became one of the most crucial members into, in the World Cup winning squad where he actually, he actually took Malcolm Marx's jersey. I know it was a bomb squad option, but Bongi yes. played very well enough to actually be the starting hooker. And, yeah. And, um, and 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 to go from from where he started, the the firm to sort of be one, you end up leading the Springboks. I think it was fantastic, and and he actually, and and I thought that he had a he had a solid game. I thought Dweba was solid as well when he came off the bench as well. I think Joseph Dweba's quietly had a good campaign without causing much fuss. You know what I mean? Like where he's, he's always in the media for his throwing or things like that. He's always we always quick to sort of bring down Joseph Dweba. But I thought he has quietly gone along very nicely sort of end of the season of Stormers and sort of now in the Springboks, like quietly trotted along and and I think he's, and, and that's put it, that's made me, that's made me also very happy. And I think in the, in the hooking stocks, we are, we, it's back to where, where where it should be, you know, where if either ones are available, we know we've got three coming off, we've got three guys ready to go. And I think, yeah, so that made me very happy and yeah, very, very proud of Bongi. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought up, Weber, I, I agree on what you said about Bonami. Is uh, we need him. We need him in form, and we need him fit. I don't. I don't care who and what form Malcolm Marks is in. We need them both to be at their best. I want to have the world number one and number two hooker 
uh, wearing the green, the green and gold. But with regards to Dweber, great point you made in like how he's sort of flown sort of semi under the radar. Like people are looking to try to pick holes at him and they you know, and uh, low hanging fruit to be his, his line outs. No one's really said too much about him in, in, in the last couple of games he's played, and that's because they haven't really had an opportunity to, to nitpick. But I'm, I'm in the camp that the Springboks have to have three big hookers. So the conversation is whether Dweber needs to go as third choice or it's Faree that goes as third choice hooker. I don't for a second believe that we would be effective enough if Dion Fury went as third choice hooker. We have to be able to give our hookers a rest. And that happens because Joseph Dweber's there. He starts a game, he can play 60, 70 minutes. And then if Fury goes, he can shift in or Bongi or Malcolm come off the bench. But the the important thing that that I the way I look at it is that is rest period for our hookers that we need. If we take Fourie and it doesn't work, bearing in mind Fourie benched twice as a as a hooker for the Springboks, but we haven't seen much of it this year. And I think that that is there as an emergency, or for twenty minutes in, uh, or ten or fifteen or twenty minutes in in a game against uh, um, lower opposition. But we have to. I look at it as them two doing that job in order to rest up Top Dog and Malcolm Mox, and I think that is that is vital. But but yeah. Uh, Cooks, uh, wrapping up the the Springboks. Anyone else you want to mention um, and and talk about? No, I think um, yeah, excited now. I think I must just say yeah. So it's you know we're shifting gears now. We obviously hit to Europe. It's a very exciting time, and um, yeah, feeling good. Um, and um, yeah, flipper can't wait for these squads being announced. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm starting to get the World Cup buzz. And um, yeah, we put what, what a month away, but yeah, almost about a month away, seventh now. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow is exactly a month. Man, it starts it on. It is well to, for everyone. We're on the seventh, so when you're listening to this on on the eighth, it's a month away when you're yeah, listening. Yeah, no, actually, I need to get into flipping camp myself. You know, get my get my liver ready. You know, sort of. Um, I don't know. So this week, I'll probably go into my last uh, my last bit of camps. So I have a, have a little blowout, a few cold ones in the weekend, just to get myself ready. Sure, I, I just want to be caught. I don't want to be caught. Just one, one, one big weekend too short. You know what I mean? Because there's there's a few games. There's like three games in a day, and if I don't have a, a big weekend this weekend and and, the, and probably next weekend as well, I'm gonna find myself just not in good in a good place come World Cup time. And I just don't want to be good for the four o'clock game and then come box play at nine. I'm just and, I, and I'm not the way I need to be. So I'm obviously finalizing my cold ones camp now, and um, yeah, just making sure that I'm good to go for the World Cup and and um, yeah, so. Uh, I, I, I need to get my my affairs in order. Uh, listen, Matt, you're preaching to the converted here. You have one of the most important jobs to play as as Springbok management leading up and during the World Cup, and it's all about the cold ones. It's all about making sure that you're watching the game. We went through this last year. We set up very. I mean, we set up your um your your pathway. You you know exactly what is required. I mean, we worked on it all together. The rugby bits team and Cooks. Um, well, the rugby bits team working on Cooks's uh, his, his mean, program and his team pathway. And, what do you mean, what, like rugby, team, rugby bits team and Cooks? Was it a meeting that I missed out on? Like, when, when did I become a no, bomb squad see, member? I knew. I, you see now, exactly. I made such an error. You're telling me again. You're telling me. He's busy texting me now. Yeah, he's texting me. No, 
what I meant, I knew when I said it, I was in trouble. I meant us as a rugby bits team are talking about Cooks's pathway because you are the vital member when it comes to planning this, watching and cold ones and everything. It's you. It's not us. No, th- it's you. And that's just from a Springbok, Springbok management. You're very much part of this team, bro. No, thanks, sure. Uh, I, feel, I feel good. No, I experimented this weekend. I mean, obviously I did the, you know, Big Friday um, sort of quiet morning. Didn't have, didn't have, didn't have any beers watching the Finn, the Finn game, had a few for the Bok game. So sort of like I'm, I'm trying out different combinations. I think this weekend I'm going to go big afternoon session, rest in the evening. So just, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to find balance. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm sort of trying to find a balance of sort of when to attack, when when to pick, when, when, when to find the transition to go from beer to brandy and coke. I, I don't want to go too early and then sort of find myself get caught second half of the Springboard game, like we're playing a late game, I get caught. So And like I, I might have to sneak in a one sort of Tuesday, you know, cold one session because the box might play the one odd midweek game. It's a very tricky time, Sean. I mean, and the Springboard management think they are um, stressing. I'm, it's, it's massive for me as well. Yeah, absolutely. But I think what everyone wants to know is what happened, what did you do at halftime that caused the change in, in the spring box on Saturday? Like, what did you do leading up to that and where did it change? Because it's clear that you were involved. I mean, your fingerprints were all over that uh, that change in the spring box fortune. I think the big one, I was having Aperol short in the first half. And I think I was still sort of having a good time. And then <laughs> and I, I was having an Aperol and then I realized like and oh, I, I had no. to take my sort of, put myself and, and it wasn't working as well as, as I'd hoped for. I think the Aperol's is, has to be safe for the afternoon games. I think that's, that's the time for it. And then the moment I went straight back to beer, the performance sort of changed. And then, and then, uh, and then I think from there, the yeah, things sort of flowing. So yeah, again, like I said, Sean, it's, 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 it's not, we, we still, we still experimenting and yeah, now I know, now no Aperol's doing a pocket. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and the bomb squad uh, drinking bomb squads. So, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, from that, from that, um, you know, we spoke about like dropping and lifting your blood pressure. We're gonna have to go through a well. We wrapped up the the, the spring box and looking forward to the, the more from them. Um, obviously, spring box quad announcement and then Wales in a couple of weeks. But now we're gonna quickly go through the rest. I'm gonna be very brief. Four o'clock in the morning, Bledisloe too. Cooks, I know, I know you picked it up, little bits and pieces, highlights and whatnot. But Wallabies, Eddie Jones is basically given all that media that don't know what they're talking about the middle finger and um, and worked it pretty well. I, I think the Aussies put the All Blacks under a lot of pressure in New Zealand. Yeah, they did. Um, I thought oh, that, was, that was probably the performance of the best performance so far I think by far I think and and, and I thought they were very good Just, you know, and I, like yeah Eddie Jones like he's as he said he is building something and he's he, like I think Talos mentioned there's a good team in there somewhere and I think so as well and um yeah the, the manager put the, the All Blacks under pressure and I think the All Blacks yesterday they played very well to sort of to come back from that I thought the All Blacks always had a great chance to make a 24-3 and you can't give a side like the All Blacks some life. And um, I think it was, uh, I mean, I think both sides would, le- would leave there very happy. Eddie Jones saw things from his side actually bouncing back from th- that performance in the, first, in the first league where they sort of let things slip and sort of fell away slightly. To, and I thought they were a little bit more, they were better the ball in hand. They didn't just sit, sit there and let the All Blacks run at them all day. And I thought they were able to put this, the All Blacks under, under pressure. And I think, they put Damien McKenzie under massive, massive, massive pressure. Um, Damien McKenzie, I thought I was hoping he was in a good game after 
we've all been crying out for him as, as, as to be wiped out on the bench. And then yeah. he sort of answered a question for himself. I'm yeah. like, okay, cool. Jeez, Damien, like, oh, Damien McKenzie. It's like, it's, the, it's that sort of performance where, like, you know, I think it frustrates all his fans because we know how good he is, but the, there does come the game where the error rates do come up and then they sort of, they targeted him a lot on defense. But, um, yeah, but um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think Eddie Jones doing his whole, I think he's going to go with a silent approach now where he's not, no, no, talking down uh, other people's economies or things like that now. His new approach is now, <laughs> if you don't know anything about rugby, like, no one should speak to him. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do now because, like, not many people know as much rugby as he does. So now what, this is going to be silent press conferences. Now. Like, he's not going to say a word to him. Now. We're just going to look at him like, <laughs> well, clearly we can't speak to you. But, yeah, I thought the Wallabies, yeah, they'll be happy with that. And I think the All Blacks coming through, clutch, going through uh, – going through unscathed pretty much in the in the rugby championship and the blade is low yeah yeah just to go through a couple of other results uh, Samoa beat Tonga 34-9 um, Tonga struggling a little bit ahead of the World Cup if I if I could say another team struggling is uh, Japan um, Fiji beat Japan in Japan um, Lapis got a red card and yeah just wasn't an all-round great performance um, there um, another one of the Tier twos, uh, Romania lost to the USA, seventeen thirty-one. But on to main event and Cooks's Cooks's bread and butter. I'll give uh, I'll give you I'll give you the floor in a second. Um, Scotland with an unbelievable comeback against France. Scotland played at home, were down three twenty-one at halftime. France were cooking. Um, they had a bunch of guys on debut who all basically made their first touches in Test Rugby look like they'd been playing it for decades. Um, incredible performance by France, leading uh, leading at halftime. Looked like Scotland were falling apart at the seams. Um, Finn Russell, captain, uh, was uh, seemingly very quiet. Um, to be fair, Scotland did defend reasonably well, even though they conceded those three, those three tries. But then the comeback of comebacks and... Um, all the bad things that we've been saying about Scotland losing to a French BC side, they ended up winning 25-21. Cooks, I will hand this over to you because this is all yours, baby. <laughs> leadership, Sean. That's what the, the big difference was. Leadership. You know, Finn the Great. But um, it, it, it was funny. So, <laughs> Finn the Great. That was funny about that game. was So at halftime, it was, I can't believe this French side and their, and their depth and how incredible they are. And then Scotland comes back and it's like, yeah, but it's only the C team from France. Like, so like, you need to calm down. I'm like, guys, we need to choose a, we need to choose a lane here and like stick to it. But I thought France were absolutely fantastic. Yes, in the first I know half. it's weird, eh? And even though they lost, I'm still petrified of France. I mean, a France B and C side went and lost a series down in Australia. Doesn't mean that the depth is not still there. Do you know what I, like, you know what I mean? So um, I thought, geez, I thought France... Then first off, I sat there and I was like, I just cannot believe the amount of depth they have and it's probably the best in the world at the moment. Them in the Springboks team, like depth-wise. Um, and just, oh man, I thought they were, they, were, they were very, very good. And I think the big difference in the second half you know, from a French perspective was the fact that they probably need a little bit more experience to sort of fin to wrap up that game. They, they couldn't close that game out. They had chances at the end to sort of um, to finish that game off. Like, I, I found it confusing for them going for the corner at the end where sort of, Scotland had nullified that more and they line out quite well. And then you could sort of see France, uh, they, were, they were starting to get a sentence from the scrum. They scrammed twice and they decided to go, go to the corner. I was like, I don't understand why you go for the corner now. Um, but mm. I thought Scotland, 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 is the, if you watch the game, it's 
The first half is the reason why they definitely want to make it out the group. And the second half is the reason why they have a good chance of making out the group. Like they can, they can sort of cause a massive spanner in the, in that, in, in the, in the group. And I think yesterday they played Blake Kinghorn was incredible. He's a 15, eh? At 15. Incredible. If, even the first of those glimpses, they keep, yeah, but he's a fifteen. He's not a ten anymore. No, he's definitely that's he's it. Def- he's definitely a fifteen. I thought he, I thought he was good. Finn Russell kicked very well, cooked, led the, obviously just um just ran the show as he always does. But I thought he, the big thing he did all this weekend. I thought he, I thought he kicked very, very well, and um and, and and I think that made such a big difference. And and I look at Scott, and I thought the pack was good. I think um I still think Matt Ferguson's an eight as opposed to a six. Um, I still have him there. Uh, I mean, and, and probably Jack Dempsey said at, at six, but um, I thought Hamish Watson also w- was good. Richie Gray was, w- was all over, but I just think the intensity that's, that's gotten played within that second half, I think they almost have to go almost balls to the wall. I think that's the best way of playing when they do actually like, are offensive, get the ball out wide. I think when they play the spring box, they, on attack, they play very similar wise to the All Blacks in terms of they're one of the few sides that can, they, they, they'll attempt to go around the spring box and they do have the tools with Finn to sort of hurt them the way the All Blacks did, which is going to why makes our game against them so interesting. And I think, and they defend, and the, the defense is good, which was so weird how the, some of the errors they made in that first half. But, but yeah, I think, I think Scotland and France will be happy. But Sharky, I mean, obviously they play again this weekend. I know you watch a lot of French, French rugby. I think the French as well will probably lead that game. Probably bummed they did lose it. I think they'll, they'll have the, the they'll sort of, um, They'll sort of think that that, that, that there should have been there should have racked up between one three, but I thought that the two tens went went great. Hostoy and Jalibe, I think that was that was a big difference with them. I just felt like especially in the second half, they just couldn't get going. I thought when they did the tries that did score was a lot of it from from breakaway play, but I didn't think Jalibe and Hostoy had a good game. What did you think? Yeah, no, you're right. They were they were iffy. Um, I was kind of doing some numbers uh, during the game and. Um, to me, it looked like three or maybe four, maybe four of, of that side would make a match day 23. So it really, really was a, a second stroke, third string side. Um, but yeah, just things just weren't, weren't happening the way they needed. Um, it happened in the first half and they just couldn't link in the second. It's important to note that, um, that Scotland had um, uh, a red card. Was it Zando or Matt Ferguson? One of the Ferguson brothers, the prop, um, sent off um, for a bad clean out. Um, so, yeah, they did it with 14 Sorry, minutes, Sharky. 30 minutes. So, yeah. Can I add on that, on that, on that, yeah, yeah, that red card? A piece of commentary that drove me insane. So, Zando Ferguson had a similar card to that, uh, I think, 2021. So, the commentator says, which is, I mean, it was, it was, yes, it's almost identical. Stone Cold Red. Yeah. And the commentator says, like, you got to feel for the guy. You know, you got it wrong again. I'm like, feel it. For what? It's it was the most cynical like red card. The ball, like he didn't so, like the ball was out. It was basically basically the, the ball was basically those those he didn't even impact that drug. Like it came from nowhere, and it's like we got to feel sorry for. It. I'm like you can't. It's so cynical. Yeah, it's like I, I was sitting. I'm like 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 feel sorry for him. Like I'm like like he knows like and also he's he's been binned for that before. I'm like, just ban him for two weeks for stupidity. Like, just like, well, you might as well add on this to it. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm, I was sitting there, I'm like, when you watch the replay, you're like, oh my word, this is like, I mean, he's a fantastic player, as well as that. In fact, but I'm like, I mean, like, that's like droppable stuff. It's like playing yourself out the team. Like, just be like, why would you do that? Like, it, it didn't make, 
any sense. Like, it's not like it was like a 50-50 ball. Ball was out. He came from nowhere. Didn't, like, didn't even impact the ruck. It's just like, I'm like, I was there and I was like, my man, like, luckily that Scotland rallied from that and sort of, they did bounce back. But, because at, at that stage, when it happened, you probably think, uh, I was, you're probably thinking, oh, Jesus. And, and, and Scotland was sort of. Scotland's chances are down. And, there was start, and there yeah. was, the, the momentum was just starting to shift. And, you probably th- and I, was probably, I was thinking, oh, no, flip, like, is this, is this now, now going to try to beat a French side with 14 men? Luckily, Scotland seemed to play well against France when they had 14 men, because that's what happened in, in the start of the year, in the Six Nations. France pulled away early and hmm. Scotland goes down to 14 men. The one believable. So if, if France and Scotland had to meet again in the World Cup, don't be surprised if like Scotland's black goes to, uh, to World Rugby and be like, listen, is it fine if you play with 14 this game? Just, I think, suits us well <laughs> against the French. Yeah, and you know, it, it was it, like, it could have been two records because he's actually coming to clean him out. He's whacked him with his pip and then he's hit him with the shoulder afterwards. All in one movement. It wasn't intentional, um, but it was a poor, poor, um, clean out. So uh, he's definitely not going to be available for one or two or maybe three of Scotland's uh, pool games. So yeah, there's that. Um, but yeah, so Scotland, France play again this weekend, but this time in Paris, if I'm not mistaken, but it's in France, but I think it's in Paris. So that'll be interesting. I have a sneaky feeling the French are going to uh, put the big boys in, which would have always been the plan. I don't think it's a knee-jerk reaction. I think they're going to put a couple of other lads in. Um, after that, after that thriller, we went straight into Wales, England. Now, a game where both Wales and England are desperate for a win. I think probably Wales more so than England, but Wales playing at home and against England, and they basically blew them out the water. The Wales winning 29 in a game that England basically looked like they gave up probably 20 minutes left, like they just didn't do anything. The only player that really really stood out for me was Joe Marchant and um but yeah England England were nowhere so it was always going to be a conversation of um someone's in deep shit depending who lost that game and this time it's been England and it's always been a conversation around someone's pulling their season back together so Wales pulled their season back together England are in deep shit Cooks what's going on I think Warren Gatlin showed that um Cam Stroll called if that it actually does 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 work um Oh yeah, flip, I don't know. But do you see the tweet where it's like he's he's like walking around like yeah, they weren't ready. They're not go oh, flip Warren Ball is back. They're gonna flip and kick their way to a semi final again. Warren Gatlin's back. Just all you, all you need was to take them into the into the deep deep dark waters. They probably they're, I don't know if they're saying God save the Queen during the trip or advance Australia Fair advance Australia Fair on that Camp Stroll card for. But um, I wonder what they're doing. But um. Yeah, but I think England are probably fatigued from naming 64 million squads. I mean, that takes it out of you having to print and type out names and <laughs> travel in and out the camp. Like, eventually, like, it gets to you. I think that's, that's where it got The logistic managers, yeah, log- they've, had to, they've had to replace their logistic manager because he burnt out. No, he's done. And then now, like, as a fight back, they've gone and dropped, like, Don Brown and Eight has played almost every game for them or... And and Henry Slade has pretty much played every game at 13 and 12 for them. They're not going to the World Cup. Like, oh, my word, like, they're like in disarray. I saw today, we were talking about the tweet where they were saying that uh, Steve Borthwick at the press conference didn't give if anything, just not inspiring. I'm like, the head oak was the opposite of that. They got rid of him. Now they're like, now this one is too boring. Oh, my word. All the nice things I said about England. Like the three bears. All the nice things I said about England being under the radar, like, might be a good thing. I might have to take that back. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I do not know oh, what England's going to do, but I think, Warren Ball is back and 
and Warren Ball is probably the most effective way to play at a World Cup. And I think, and I'm sure they'll be delighted. I think obviously England, there was no feral or I think this will be a big one. And a lot of few of the Saracens didn't play. So keen to see how they bounce, but they need to bounce, but they need to do something this weekend. I think they need, if, if, if there's any side that needs to get on a little run of form of, of wins, it's England. Yeah, I think um, yeah. Yeah, they need it. Like, They're playing Wales again this weekend at Twickenham. Yeah, they desperately need to sort of string together some some wins and just get some momentum going. I think the way Tala, like, you know, Tala says with Australia, and, and, and especially the All Blacks, he's like, play your best team and ride with it for the rest of the tournament. I think that's what England has to do. I don't know what they're going to do, to be honest with you. I, I generally, like, I, do, I don't know. Like, I don't know who's, is he going to play, who's going to play, who's, who's going to play at centre, what's, what the, what's the access going to be. I don't even think Steve Borthwick knows, and that's, just, that's where England, that's where England is. I, I genuinely don't think they know who their best team is. For me, it's probably going to be Farrell Ford, your 10s. I think Marcus Smith will play a couple of other games, um, but I don't think he's going to be massively in the mix. Um, your um, your 12 is going to be Manu, 13 is going to be Lawrence, and they might put Marchant at 13 or they'll put Marchant on the right wing, but you've got to start Anthony Watson there. When Ford comes on, Farrell might move to to 12 and, you know, there's, they'll either move to Lagerty 13 or leave uh, leave Lawrence on there. So I think that's where they're going. Um, interesting, Danny Kerr made it. So Danny Kerr just playing some of his great rugby and then just wasn't selected and now is going to the World Cup. So that's been quite a quite a moment. But yeah, interesting, interesting times ahead. Um, England have to bounce back this weekend. They have to. Um, but, you know, maybe uh, Borthwick can... And Gatlin have a little agreement. You can have the home games and then we'll go to the World Cup and sort the rest of the shit out later. But yeah, sure. Interesting, interesting times. But we'll, we'll look forward to seeing what's happening because I don't think you can really gauge England too much on that. It was such a bad performance. Um, so, you know, does that fall into testing and fall into trying combinations? I don't know. On to what was the final game of the weekend, briefly, Ireland-Italy. Ireland um, basically showing that they've definitely picked their first team match day, match day 23. We all know who it is. And they, they let the other guys have a go and they beat Italy 33-17. So pretty good going for Ireland. Between them and France, uh, the depth is there and I'm shit scared of both of them. Yeah, Flip, I think they've actually... Found, uh, uh, I love, I really, really rate Jack Crowley. And he had a strong, strong game. Well, you know, yeah. you know, funny th- and they moved him to 15, so he's got options. Yeah, so. was, you know the funny thing about this whole Sixton ban? He was never going to play against Italy anyway. I, I, like, I was, I was realizing. So, like, it was, so it's actually <laughs> like, he was, I think it's in his contract that he's not allowed to play against Italy. I don't think he was going to play. It was actually like, um, it, it, it kind of just worked out, you know? So they're like, oh, okay, cool. At least it's, it's, it's minus, uh, minus picking it. So like this, the world rugby in that state did them a favor. But, um, yeah, Flip was a good game. Doris doing Doris things again. Um, but um, yeah, I think Ireland happy with the way they with the way they went. Um again, this is Nancy Stockdale back. I thought he was solid. But um yeah, I think Ireland's again they show their depth is sort of coming along. But um it's nice to see this for them. There's life after um well Johnny Sexton. I think the ban for them is actually could be a blessing in disguise because they they do have to throw Jack Crowley and Ross Bull in one of these games and just in case, because they might be a final seven in a situation and, and Sexton does tend to, to, to get injured and things like that where they, 
they could find him playing in a, in a massive game. So these are the time to get those questions answered. And um, I think, yeah, that's just kept their momentum going again. I think, I mean, they're flying at the moment. I think yeah, they are in a good space of form. I think they haven't lost a game since the All Blacks in June, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if they lost a game. I don't think they lost a game in the year tour. So they've just, momentum is going at the right time and um, keen to see how they go this weekend. And yeah, oh, Alan. Yeah. This, this, it's annoying. I'm like, winning. <laughs> but I just want to win. Yeah, I just like. Their, their first, their hardest game, their first hardest game of the World Cup is us, eh? Yeah. They, they only play Scotland after us. So, yeah, they're, that is that is the one thing we do have going for us. But Crowley's very quietly just said, cool, I'll I'll take the reins at 10. Um, don't worry about it. Um, the thing is, Sean, with Crowley, I have a I mean, question, yeah. With Crowley, so if we ask, and the nice thing is he's showing that, I mean, come World Cup 2031, he's ready to take over Sexton because Sexton's probably will still be there as well. Come 2031, wherever the World Cup's played, Sexton's probably still be 10. So <laughs> I'm just glad that Crowley's you know, stepping up and showing that he's ready to take the mantle in uh, 12 years' time. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Um, Ireland, Italy, in the World Cup quarterfinals, does Sexton play or doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> sure, they've got to stick with the contracts. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, I'm gonna tell, they're gonna tell you like sorry mate we'd love to play you but hey contract contract stays otherwise oh man imagine imagine um yeah just wrapping up quickly um the npc starts in new zealand this weekend um you know everything got underway the most important match in the npc is the uh Ramfurly shield which happens in round three um so nothing serious to to worry about I know, um, so Tasman, Tasman got a win, Taranaki got a win, Hawke's Bay got a win, 23-21 over North Harbour. That was a bit of a, a good one. Uh, defending champions, Wellington uh, got their win, Canterbury got a win, Auckland got a win, and Waikato. So pretty much business as usual there. Um, but yeah, everyone, I think we're going to wrap it up here and really appreciate uh, your time and thanks for listening. Cooks, you legend. Thanks so much, Matt. I really, really appreciate it. It was so, so much fun. And you, you're an integral part of the team, my man. You, you're, a, you're a member. You had to stay. Founding member, my guy. Founding member. Thanks. Thanks, Shaki. Um, I appreciate that. But yeah. <laughs> and Tyler's not yet to call shit. So yeah. To everyone, thanks so much for listening. Please share the podcast and like it and tell everyone else about it. Uh, we're on Twitter mostly, but Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And keep listening out for more pods. We'll catch you all later. Goodbye. Cheers, guys.